Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Josh Chambers, and welcome to How Humans Change. Every episode, we speak with someone who's undergone some kind of change, and we get the backstory. I thought we should start off a year with Rachel Ulfers. We had a conversation about her decision to stop yelling at her kids. The title is How Rachel Ulfers Stopped Yelling at Her Kids, Mostly. Because, let's be honest, it's... Well, kids are hard. They're the best, but they're hard. Anyway, lots of people setting new goals, wanting to be better versions of themselves this year. I thought that Rachel's insight into parenting might help those of us who have kids be better parents as we enter into 2019. Because, let's be honest, most of the crappy people we've met in our life probably had crappy parents. So let's end the pandemic of crappy people, particularly crappy people in power, by being better parents. Now I say that and I fully recognize that my kids might turn out to be crappy people and I will vehemently deny being a crappy parent. So for all of those people who have crappy kids who are listening, maybe you weren't a crappy parent, who knows? All right, if you are new to us, please subscribe. And if you've been listening for a while and you like the show, please rate us. It helps. I'd love to grow our audience. We're at about 7.2 billion people right now globally. I'd like to get that to 7.3. Anyway, also, if you know anyone who'd be good for the podcast, visit howhumanschange.com, click contact, and let us know. All right, enjoy this conversation with Rachel Ulfers. Do you know how to turn your video on? Nope. Hover over your screen and you should see like a video icon at the bottom. Um, I have a microphone. Oh, ooh, it's the one with this thing through it, I bet. Yeah, it yeah. Hit that. Oh, <gasps> there we go. We're doing it. It's normal. People just kind of always even the pros there's some podcasts i listen to where they release the unedited version and the first 20 minutes is always like can, can you hear me can can and I'm, I'm there's an echo <laughs> good good well i i don't have to call into a lot of meetings with work right because i have right. to see people to be able to treat them although now i think we're going to do telemedicine but that's really separate yeah maybe not me probably but the some of the core staff people who have more repeat clients cuz you could do like could you you couldn't do diagnosis telehealth no so not an initial visit but like follow-ups and oh, questions okay. and things like that that would make sense that way they don't have to mm-hmm. travel and if they're just doing squats and you're just saying good do the yeah or like really bad actually do it the other way because that's why your knee still hurts <laughs> that's that would be more the the cause of probably the follow-up visit oh uh, hey did you yell at your kids today not yet oh. mm-hmm. um not yet well, i haven't cor- yelled at anyone yet today. really no. Now, Corinne told me we should talk because you had made a commitment to stop yelling at your kids. But I did. When we say yelling, I mean, is it, what kind of yelling are we talking? Like stern, don't do that or you go to your room kind of thing? No. Or like screaming? Like your, does your voice alter? Yeah, yeah. Yes, correct. 
Like, <laughs> like forgetting who is the adult in the relationship streaming. Yeah. That's what I'm trying not to do. And I would prefer to ask for things in a non-yelly, annoying voice in general. But right. that's not possible with little kids all the time. Okay, why don't you set the stage for people who don't know anything about you? You have how many kids, what ages, uh, and then we'll start talking about why you decided to stop yelling at your kids, which, of course, that sounds obvious, but maybe more like how that <laughs> happened. Sure. Uh, so I'm 38, and I live in Minneapolis with my husband, my partner, and we have three kids who are girls who are 10, 8, and 5, and a dog and a fish. Uh, do you yell at the fish? I haven't ever yelled at the fish. No. The fish is really good at listening. The fish comes when I put my fingers over the bowl with the food and the fish eats the food and that's all the fish has to do. It's the best fish. Has Corinne told you about our fish woes? Like how they always mm-hmm. just Yes. I've I've die. I also heard um there was an issue with the dying, the fish dying because maybe you went on vacation and just never fed it when you were gone. <laughs> that was probably maybe one problem. <laughs> Well, we told the kids that if, um, Corinne may have told you this, but we told the kids that if they could take care of a fish, that we would consider getting a dog. So <laughs> Corinne and I are not at all motivated to take care of the fish because we don't want a dog. Right. I, I know that part. So each time, like there's like two days where the girls, where the girls will feed the fish. And then two days later, they're like, I don't care if, if it dies. <laughs> Super. That sounds like great dog ownership potential. Right, and good parenting, speaking mm-hmm. of. Um, well, it, it's kind of like chronologically, there's there's probably lots of interesting things about your story that are more than just parenting and the absence of yelling at your kids. But to set the stage, was did you grow up in a home where yelling was a thing? My, my family is a bunch of yellers, yes. Really? Like our, our whole... Um, not my dad, but my mom and my mom's side of the family, and then us growing up, my sister and I, were definitely um, passionate about life, and that equaled lots of yelling at, well, our, at our house. Yelling, like, again, so yelling, like, you get kind of loud, or, or is it, like, screaming? There's all of the above. All of the above. And it's a lot of it is like lots of energy, loud talking is the norm. So in order to be heard, sometimes you have to get louder and do more things that sound like yelling. But I'm talking about when people are mad or frustrated or disappointed or upset. And you go from like the quiet, like, I'm so frustrated because to like shrieking things you don't mean because. Okay. So not only does the voice change, but. Stuff comes out of your mouth that is yeah. Not... There's no filter. Oh, yeah, okay, things, things, things that shouldn't come out come out. Yep. Okay. And so that, not necessarily the fact that my voice gets louder is not something that I was worried about changing, but more the um, the way that I was delivering the message to oh. my kids and the message itself and the message itself. It wasn't a. It's not always a kind message. It's not a corrective in a helpful way message when I scream things that are not helpful. It's really hard. To not it is hard. Yep. It's hard when you just, you, your intent is to help. Yeah. And to teach. Right. Or even to teach, like, don't do this the way I'm doing it because this is not a good way. Look how we're all feeling. Yeah, totally. Um, don't do what I just did. Yep. Yep. Tomorrow I'm going to do better, but let's not do it that way. So how many years 
did it take for you? That's, and I don't mean that to sound like a judgmental question for you to decide you wanted to change things up. Yeah. Uh, so I had had all three children and okay. Ellery was five, about to be five. And Adeline was about to be three when Delaney was born. Okay. And Delaney was around one when, when this whole situation that kind of brought me to the place where I really wanted to work on this happened. So I had been a parent for about six years. Okay. Uh, and was there a specific moment where you were like, I don't want to, I want to, I want to change what happened? Yeah. Um, and it's super embarrassing. So, um, you cool telling it. Yeah. Yep. I've told it before. And, um, okay. it's just very, like, I'm very ashamed that I did it, that I, that I did, that it took me that long to feel like I couldn't do anything else. So I was still nursing Delaney and, but she was like bigger ish. She was like a year, year and a half. And Ellery was um, in her room doing something. And I was in Adeline's room trying to help Adeline to go to bed. So our middle kid is for sure the most like me. For sure my hardest child to parent. And she's amazing and awesome. But she, she's not able to do anything that's not her own idea. Mm. She's super stubborn. And it, it has to be done her way. And it has to be done in her own time. And it has to be done the way that she wants it to be or else. And the or else tended to be at that point in life. So she was four. Um, we would get dressed for bed or dressed for school or for the day or whatever. And she would rip off all her clothes or pajamas and yay, lay on the ground and scream while she was naked <laughs> rolling around. And sometimes it made sense. And sometimes it was like stream of consciousness. And sometimes it was just incoherent yeah. babble. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a wide range of what she was doing. And I was trying to get her ready for bed and I had a kid on a boob and another kid like trying to like put her own self to bed when she Mm -hmm. was six and I just lost my mind and I remember like still with the kid on the boob like crouching down next to her and like getting like an inch from her face and just like letting her have it in verbally yeah. I'm like, I just, I, and I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, I can't understand why you can't just get your freaking clothes on right. or something. I don't know, something yeah. stupid, but that's the way I felt right then. Yeah. And she cowered her little naked body in the corner and oh. she, she said, I'm afraid of you right now and I don't want you to hurt me. Oh man. And I Good started to ball. Grief. And... She Ugh. started to cry because she thought I was crying because I, I was mad at her. And oh, so she, yeah. like, her little naked, scared body came over and was just hugging me while I'm a hot mess on the floor. Good this kid is grief. still on my boob. and other kid comes in to see what's wrong with the rest of us. And I just kept telling her, it's never your fault the way I, the way I feel. It, that's my issue. That yeah. Those are my feelings. It's not ever your fault. And I don't ever, ever intend to make you feel like... Mm. You, you are afraid of me or that someone bigger than you um, should have power over you. Damn, that would be... So I that would, was, it was embarrassing. Well, I mean, I would be, I would have probably melted into the floor too if my kid said that. Because I've done things with the girls before where you have what appears to be an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And you say things or you behave in ways that... Um, like that's never been anything. Thank God that felt um 
I guess abusive is the best word that felt like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what have I done in that sense? Mm-hmm. But definitely things where y- you realize or I realize I don't ever want, I never wanted to behave that way around my kid. No. Or and, say those things or say those in that things, turn, right. that, that tone. And it's the worst thing in the world is to see their reaction sort of measure mm-hmm. up to what you expected their reaction would be if you ever pulled that. Um, so when you yell to see her mm-hmm. shrink back, it's like mm-hmm. there's no brushing over what just happened. I imagine that must have stuck with you for a long time. No, I can still I can still feel the way I felt if mm-hmm. I think about it. Yeah. Now. And so when I do mess up just all the time and I say things that are completely ridiculous or in a tone that's almost like that, not I, I don't think I've ever gone back to that place, but mm-hmm. almost like that, I immediately I can feel that shame again mm-hmm. and I can feel I can feel how I think she felt looking at me like you're my safe person what right. the fuck is wrong with you mm-hmm. like why would you do that to me ever yeah. so that is the I definitely don't think I've done that again but that doesn't mean I'm good at not screaming or hurting their feelings, although I don't intentionally hurt their feelings, but yeah. I am kind of critical and harsh. So when when that happened, uh, you, the spread is six four one. Is that right? Did you say mm-hmm. six four one and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you do? Did you say? Did you just make a commitment to say I don't want to do that again? Did you start looking for new resources, talking to people? All of those things happened. Yeah, that's when I started to read a lot more on positive parenting and Danish parenting. And I found a lady named L.R. Nost and um, Laura Markman's um, blog and information. I started to just figure out how do people, how do people like me with big feelings figure out how to control their big feelings for their little people that also clearly have these big uncontrollable feelings. Like, right. we, I mean, we all have things that we're get worked up and excited about, but it seems like for my kids and I, we have all of, all of the things are things that have big reactions, like happy and sad and excited and frustrated. Oh, yeah. And it's, we feel like we're just big feelers. We mm-hmm. feel everything deeply. So how do you, um, respond to those really big frustrations and disappointments, especially in a more positive way, because it's okay to get super excited about the things that are amazing and happy. Right. But the things that are um, hard to get through and frustrated, like you can't, you can't lay on the ground and go boneless, which is what we call it in our house. When you, you know, like when you can't pick the kid up because they're flailing around. Flopping around like a dead fish. Yeah. You can't go boneless every day. Right. And there was definitely at that point, she... And then subsequently, our youngest kid also went through this phase, or she kind of still is in that phase. But like, there's at some point every day, somebody's boneless at our house. Not so much our 10 year old anymore. She's more logical anyway. She would like sit there and read a book until she was ready to tell you exactly in like a dissertation style why she shouldn't do that or you should or how she should or shouldn't get what she wants. She's a bit more logical, but she went through that feeling too. I want to come back to um, to one thing later, namely deciphering between when the big emotions really are taking your kid over and they can't control it versus when they're 
manipulating or putting it on. But first, you had said you used the phrase positive parenting. Can you mm-hmm. summarize that for someone who's never heard of it? doesn't have to be super articulate, but what is that? Oh, uh, sure. Just trying to be an ally to your kid and find ways to channel the things that are frustrating to them to help it not become a roadblock, I would say. And um, also sometimes people talk about gentle parenting, like um, not using lots of yelling and not being physical as a disciplinary reason to, to make your kid change their actions, but like trying to figure out how to think things through with a loving discipline action step versus like an authoritarian discipline action step. Practically speaking, what would that look like one versus the other? An author- can you give me an example of authoritarian and then positive? Sure. Uh, like maybe your kid doesn't want to pick up their Legos and an authoritarian parent would just yell, you have to pick them up because I said so and that's what you have to do or you go to your room and you never play again okay. today or yeah. something like that versus... Um, a positive parenting technique or a gentle t- parenting technique might be more like, I can see that you don't want to stop playing, but it's time to go have lunch or go to school or, you know, the thing that you have to do. So mm-hmm. how about if we put them away for now, except for the one you're working on and you can finish that one later. You can ask me for help if you want. Right. Like you're still going to do what am I going to ask you to do? And I can help you or I cannot help you if that's what you want. The right. outcome is still going to be that we have to leave but I don't need to scream at you or like threaten you to get what I want to happen. I could give you an alternative of like, we can do this, this or that, but we still have to do this obligation first. What about Danish parenting? What was that? That was more along the lines of like getting, um, having more dialogue and less like you have to do this because I said so. Right. Or like, um, it's not always going to have a happy ending. Like we talked a lot about, they talked a lot about fairy tales. Like there's, um, lots of kids don't want to see a movie or read a book if it doesn't have a happy ending. Um, but Danish parenting is big on like, that's not life. Like there's not a happy ending all the time. Like you have a wide range of emotions and they encompass these things that aren't always happy. And you have to figure out a way to get through that and deal with that. Yeah. Rather than just covering it up with, and they lived happily ever after. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's not that often. Right. And so you, you, if your family has big emotions, so how have you figured out how to um, validate emotions and endorse anger, endorse sadness as a, as a real valid human emotion and simultaneously help them express that in a way that doesn't involve going boneless or losing their mind? <laughs> We're working on that still. But um, some things that have been really helpful are just agreeing that you think that that makes you feel that way too. And having lots of um, descriptive terms to identify your feelings besides I'm mad or okay. I'm happy. So in the having Lego like example whole... you, that you say, oh, I can see that you are feeling, right? Disappointed or that would make me feel lonely if my friend chose their other friend over me too. Or yeah, like giving more yeah. um, vocabulary to the different feelings that you could have. And also saying that... I've been there too, and I know what that feels like, and it doesn't feel good. Uh, but there's something that you can do to fix it. You could do one of these 17,000 other things that you like to do. Right. And then we can figure out a way to figure out how to make it better do you ever, together. Do you ever find that the um, – here's something that I find regularly with that approach, that my kiddos will 
just get pissed off at me for trying to help identify what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Do you get, Mm -hmm. do you run into that? Absolutely. And I don't remember who told me to do this. Um, It was somebody, something that I was reading at one point, like literally just how flipping the world upside down is sometimes helpful. So we, we used to hang them upside down by their ankles. And just swing them back and forth. Like yeah. hang, we would call it hanging like a bat. Mm-hmm. So we'd ask them, do you need to be hung like a bat? We, yeah. And it didn't matter if we were at home or in public or at somebody's house or at the park. Like if they were having a hard time, you'd just say, do you want a hug? No, I don't want to be hugged right. was mostly the answer usually yeah. if we're out in public. Do you want to be hung like a bat? And they'd be like, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that, Did it help reset sense- stuff? Absolutely. Huh, yeah. Cool. Or just a, having a drink of cold water. And it was like much better if it was very cold water. Like it was just a shock to the system. And just the total change, the sensory change has been huge. What about throwing cold water in the kid's face? (laughs) I haven't tried that yet. Um, I feel like that would be, that that could either be awesome or horrible, depending (laughs) on if it was like a proper time for a water fight oh man that could work have you done that no i've never done it but those are the kinds of things that you that one finds themselves thinking as a parent where you're like exactly where the hell is that coming from right yeah no and there's a lot and the other thing that we do a lot of and honestly i do it too if somebody is really 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 um anxious or frustrated or angry or sad like like an unpleasant emotion yeah. we do a lot of mountain climbers and jumping jacks at our house do you like 60 seconds how many can you do like get it all out just get all that energy out and how, see what happens how long did you find that it took for your kids to transition from being told that if you don't do this there's a consequence and then being guided through here's an emotion here's alternatives because you've I find that in that construct that here's your emotion, I feel that some way sometimes too. Here are some other options that if things are really bad, they're, they're, it's just like middle fingers everywhere. And, and I know that as an adult too, there's times when I'm feeling crappy where I just don't want to snap out of it. I have no interest in snapping out of it. So how do you, how have you, what have you found to get them to, because they have to choose to do the jumping jacks. They feel better if they have a thing to do or even sometimes they, when they're really upset about something, will ask me, do you want to hug mom? Like they're the ones that are mad about stuff, Mm. but they've realized that when I'm really frustrated and acting crazy, if they ask me, do you just want to hug? Like, do you want to take five breaths and have a hug with me? (laughs) So when they're really mad, they'll sometimes be like, do you just want to hug? And regardless of what I want, I say, yeah, I do want that because it seems to be helpful. But I would say, um, so at first I tried to be super, super good about not messing up for like two months or so. And things were definitely making changes in the right direction. And then I got more lax and we kind of did a lot of roller coaster stuff. Um, And it seems like transitions are always hard for us going back to school or yeah. the end of school, or even their birthdays seem to be really weird. And it's not like we do anything out of this world about their, like for their birthday, but yeah. just their birthday coming up, the fact that they're a different age. I don't know. The mm. fact that there will be something focused on them, some sort of celebration that they're like the person that is the center of attention seems to throw them off every year. Huh. All of them, which is weird, but, or maybe it's not weird. I don't know. Um, I don't remember feeling like that as a kid. Ever. Yeah, I remember being really excited about it. Mm-hmm. 
No, and they definitely are excited, but then behavior tanks too. Like it's good, 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 horrible. Wow, yeah. Better, really bad. I can totally I relate to the transitions thing. I feel I like any any seasonal transitions, but even at certain ages, Lola, mm-hmm. my oldest, is. It seems like no matter how small or uh, small the changes or even if it's just a micro change in, in the course of a day, she, she just is not doing well with those things right now at all. Just mm-hmm. losing her mind on things that should, that seem to be surmountable. Just take it in mm-hmm. stride changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. I have a friend um, who has a daughter who plays on Adeline's fast pitch team or middle daughter's um, softball team. And he has two older children who are, I think high school and out of high school age is so much older than their nine-year-old. And he also knows us from our violin and viola lessons that we take. And Adeline has a really, really hard, she has a lot of stage fright. Mm. And she wants to play and she wants to perform, but then it becomes her turn and she doesn't want any part of it. So it's fine if it's like a intimate setting and I go and literally sit down, like sit by her feet. Right. And she'll like, she'll play to me, but everybody else in the audience can still hear her. That's fine. But there's one, and there's probably three or four of those a year. So they've seen her grow in that aspect. But there's one recital at the end of the year that is at um, at a college in their auditorium. Mm-hmm. And it's just our group. But still, like you're on a stage with right. a pianist accompanying you. And she, I think Carl picked her up and plopped her on the stage. because Only because she said she wanted to do it, but didn't want to walk up. She wanted to be carried up. That's what she <laughs> wanted. So we're like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm plopped her up there and like he noticed between that and kind of some of the way that she was acting like if we weren't on time for the game or the practice or something she'd really get frustrated and take 12 steps back and like throw her cleats or her glove or refuse to start to participate and he thinks that she has some kind of transitional anxiety he's not a medical professional right but just was likening it to his two older children one of whom had a lot of the same um difficulties with transition and he was like you know we did everything wrong we just ignored him picked him up and shoved him into the activity at that point and looking back we kept asking him now like what could we have done to help you prepare for the transition that we knew was hard for you right and the kid who was like 19 at the time was like i don't know i think it just was gonna be hard no matter what so he's mm. he doesn't even know but just acknowledging that it's okay to have those anxious feelings around those times i right. think has been helpful for adeline like using the word anxious are you anxious about or worried about the change does it make you feel funny because you don't expect you don't know what to expect and sometimes she just is like yeah and that's all and then she's fine and then she's good just validating just a release that valve. feeling yeah mm-hmm. interesting validating that feeling um so as you started this transition you said there was a couple months of doing uh, of being really disciplined as you put it so that meant not obviously not screaming but that also meant not introducing consequences or uh, what was what else was blacklisted during that time? No, there were still consequences, but it was more like the tone of voice that I used when, like, if, if you want to throw toys at your sister, then you just won't play with the toys. You can watch me and your sister play with the toys or your friend and I will do the project that we were going to do and you, you can join us when you're ready. Got it. And almost always there was somebody who was going to rejoin the group. But every now and then it was like, well, that's it for the day and you're done. Bye, friend. We'll try again tomorrow. But that was fine. I was I was fine with that. 
what 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 kind of yeah what kind of nuclear options did you did you find yourself using sorry you guys i have to kick you out of my house now friends because my kids are losing it yeah we have to leave the party what kind of things did you have to do i don't think we ever left like a really big event we did go we did go sit in a car for a while a couple mm. of times um but they got their act together and they could and the important thing to note i think for them was they were all um Ver- very verbal early and pretty good at knowing how they felt whether or not they wanted to say it or not so if they could say I did this because I felt like this I want to try again I was like that's good enough we'll go try again yeah and I don't think we ever had an instance where they just kept losing it we didn't ever experience that because if it was that big of a deal it was the other thing to note this is a side track side a side situation um particularly for Adeline, for our middle kid, and for Delaney too, actually, if they're really going to lose their mind, they lose their mind at home. So it's more, the, the consequences will more like, your friend is going to have to go home now. Right. And we are happy to call them back tomorrow or even later today when you're ready to play. I see. It's, it's usually like if we go somewhere or are doing something, it's like even if they're feeling like shitheads in the morning, they pull out their best behavior in the public space and yeah. then they come home and go ballistic. Right. So it was more like our friend has to go home now and yeah. that's a bummer. And now your friend's disappointed. So you might want to think about that the next time that you're going to act crazy. And I'm not going to scream about you or them. Right. But also I'm not going to let you keep doing this because your friend hates this too. They're not having fun. You know, um, what are your thoughts on the the just consequences in general within the style of parenting because i think when i first encountered it it was it was a rough transition because introducing either or uh, consequences are so easy it's such an easy mm-hmm. parenting style it it, it, mm-hmm. it involves very little creativity right. and um and it's a lot more effective in terms of getting them at least in that moment right then and there to stop whatever it is that you want them to stop or start whatever it is you want them to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that transition from the either or consequence based to a more supportive uh, choice based approach to introducing consequences can be really hard. Um, because I remember for me, it felt like the rugs out from under me. I'm, I'm no mm-hmm. longer going to say, well, like the, the easy, dead, simple consequences just aren't at your beck and call anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you experience some of that as you tried to figure out how to transition? Yeah, I think it, like at first you just didn't know what else to choose. Like you were just like, okay, so we're going to pick up now and <laughs> and that's what we're doing. Right. So don't yell about it. Right. That obviously was not helpful because in a previous world it would have been if you we're all going to pick up and if they don't then it's okay if you don't pick up then something like happens blank and blank like. yeah yep. yep no usually i just had like like if you getting ready to go to school is a big thing at our house um so yeah. the outcome is you're going to school regardless and i don't care if you wear your clothes backwards and you don't wear underpants and you wear the same shirt every single day this week yeah. I don't care. But you're going to put clothes on that are weather appropriate and you're going to get on the bus and go to school. And so how you get there, I gave like free reign. Do whatever you want to get there. Got it. Like I don't even care what happens when we get there. You want to have some outlandish breakfast? At least you ate something for breakfast. Like I just made 
at least at the beginning, like the end goal was we're going to go and we're not going to have a crappy attitude right. when we get there. And whatever happens before that, we will let happen. Did that help and so you? So maybe they, they tested it a while. Uh, well, I got annoyed when I had to clean up extra stuff that wasn't part of the deal. Like we got to where we needed to go, but it's because a tornado went off at our house. That right. was frustrating, but it got better with time. Usually. I mean, there, there were always, right. there always some days where that doesn't happen, but, but I tried to make a point to say like, I'm really glad we got there and nobody yelled. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I actually did that. And I didn't yell and I made some choices along the way and that was good. Yeah. I so think, they were empowered, I think, to to make their choices as long as they knew, like, there are some non-negotiables. Like, we get on the bus and we go to school. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of negotiables. Like, I want to eat peanut butter and Nutella swirled together in a cup for breakfast. Right. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Can you talk about that, Rach? That's a huge part of um, a, a, an effective way of parenting that we've learned over the years, we being the parenting scientific community. That mm-hmm. choice is such a huge part of a kid's life that they don't have yeah. choice so often that the more places we can give them choice, the more they feel like a human. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because it sounds like what you're talking about right now, that you're giving them lots of choices to work mm-hmm. from and making that end goal clear. Yeah, I guess that just sums up what I am trying to do. I'm trying to give them lots of choices. Like for uh, example, right mm-hmm. now... Um, we don't do a lot of screen stuff for, um, I mean, like during the school day, they don't have the opportunity to watch or play on or do much on a screen, but they really obviously want to some of my kids more than others. And so, for example, um, we were having a hard time transitioning from being in summer mode to starting school because in the summer, if you want to watch a couple half an hour shows or whatever, it doesn't matter really mm-hmm. on the days I, so because I work part time. So I have a little bit more flexibility on my not work days. So if you want to choose to do that with your time, you're still going to have time to read and play and be outside and have see a friend and practice your music and move your body, whatever, that's fine. But now that we're back into school mode, there are lots of days that we don't have as much opportunity, especially because they all want to play these after school sports or in the evening sports, and I'm coaching many of them. Mm-hmm. So actually, just last week, we kind of came to the realization that if if I tell them that we're just done with screens all week, like that was that was very terrible in their eyes. Like everybody oh. wailed and screamed, and again, shoes were thrown at me. And I think there was somebody that threw their chip with hummus. Uh, throwing things seems to be very exciting at our house. <laughs> I encourage throwing a pillow against the wall if you feel really frustrated yeah. or angry, or you like you need to get that aggression out. But it seems to be shoes and food that gets stuck, and that I am not a fan of, ironically. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey. You can watch as much TV or play as many games as you want, as many as you want, but you need to have gone to school. You need to have done your music lesson. You need to have moved your body. You need to have played outside and you need to have done something creative. So if you can get all that done and you still have time to watch something on TV, go for it. Go nuts. Watch it until bedtime. I don't even care. And they like, they didn't hear anything besides you can watch as much as you want. Uh... And I was like, yep. Yeah, you, as much as much as you can handle, just go crazy. But then they actually were motivated to try to get some of these right. other things done. And it's not—I mean, it's not. We still 
it's still a struggle to get some people to do something. That's a whole nother ball of wax because homework is a thing that I don't think little kids should be doing much of. But yet right. at the same time, if you don't practice reading or do some math once in a while, or you're learning a foreign language, if you don't speak it a little bit, you're never going to get better at it. But like worksheets or sitting down to do X amount of homework is not a thing that we do at our house, really. It's like, do you need help solving this problem? We'll go yeah. through that. So if you've done something to that end, yeah, we'll call it good. If that, you've read your book to yourself 20 minutes or half an hour or 10 minutes or you read a chapter, whatever feels right to you, that's fine. We'll, we'll count that as good. Well, that um, this, this may be a segue into something else that I feel like I'm learning. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm very good at it. But it's trying to learn how to go with the flow of the present mm-hmm. moment of where your kid's yeah. at, but then also the larger flow of who they are. Mm-hmm. and work with them in the moment of whatever is existing mm-hmm. right then and there. Because it sounds like that's a little bit of what you're talking about, that yeah, we're just, if they need some help with this problem, then okay, we'll sit down and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And just navigating it in like a crooked path to this end goal. Mm-hmm. Trying to be really mindful. It's It has a lot to do with mindfulness, I feel like. Um, and not worrying about is there some benchmark that, that there, and I'm not talking about kids that are struggling or behind or needing extra help. I'm just talking about like in general, is there, um, you know, like, can you just pause for a second and be, and see what they need right then? And it might be five minutes of your day. So I have three kids. It might be 15 minutes of my day. Like, Mm -hmm. can I give you what you need? Like one-on-one without any distractions and he, like really hear and listen, because I think those are two different things to what you're saying that you need and then connecting with you right there. And then all of a sudden, whatever else you need, you're more comfortable asking me or showing me or telling me if you know that I will give you all my attention for that five minutes. Do you think that you find that works pretty well? It works better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Isn't that it doesn't weird? always work. It but de- it, yeah, that is the it thing. Does, it doesn't yeah. always work. But sometimes when it does, it's it's. It's really something. It's amazing. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. What are you going to say? I was going to say, I used to make fun of, like, you would, I remember being a kid and hearing other people with older kids or even being a new parent and hearing other people with older kids talk about how, like, sometimes you literally have 15 minutes together in a day when everybody's going a whole bunch of different ways. And we're not, we're not there. That's not our right. lifestyle right now. But I used to like feel really sad for everyone involved or really disappointed. Like they must be lonely for each other if they mm. all they do is spend 15 minutes. I think what they were trying to say or how I take it now is that if you can actually connect and like do something meaningful with like how people are feeling about things for 15 minutes in a day, then the other stuff that you do in parallel or in tandem, even though it's not necessarily exactly at the same time, like I'm walking my kids to the bus stop, I'm with them, but I'm not doing things with them. You know what I mean? Like that all tends to be, that all ends up to be a place where all of a sudden conversations happen that you didn't think were going to happen because you took five minutes or 15 minutes or whatever to actually really connect. Do you find that, well, let me start that question over. Lola is in a place right now where it doesn't seem to matter how much time you spend with her. Um, there's times, like the other day, we had a brief game and 
it just she went from being cranky to feeling like to saying dramatic things like this is the best night ever and it was a 20 minute game Mm -hmm. which is an insight into her up and down style Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but earlier that day we had spent probably 45 minutes outside just me and her kicking Mm -hmm. the soccer ball around playing on the swing and then I didn't reconvene with her probably for another hour and a half. And in that hour and a half, she had decided that she hadn't spent enough time with anyone and that no one wanted to play with her mm-hmm. and the world is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with that? Like, do, you, do your kids do that at all? Yeah, they do. I don't know what you do with that. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's important that they know that, like, Although my favorite job might be being your parent, I, I do have to do other things. Yeah. Like, I cannot be with you all the time. And the days where you don't want anything to do with me, and I still want to be with you sometimes, like, it would really mean something to me if you could spend your five minutes with me. They actually have gotten really good about asking me questions if I say, like, I just really had a tough time today. Like, they ask insightful stuff now. Yeah. Like, they have listened to the way that I ask about their day or whom they spent time with. Mm -hmm. And then they ask about my day. And actually, most of the time, it ends up being like, did you see any crazy patients today? Like, did they say (laughs) weird things to you? That must be what I talk about a lot, I guess. Or did any other parents say obnoxious things to you? (laughs) Yes, they did. And I'm not going to tell you who they were, but I can tell you what the story was. And that, I guess, is another. I mean, they, but they get like, that irks me a lot. And they can ask me about it and I'll feel better. Just like when they feel like that and I ask them, Yeah. How did that go? Yeah. Or is that why you are, you know, repeatedly flicking the paint at the wall because you're annoyed? Like, did something happen earlier today that you want to talk about? You know, that's helpful. We have, but no, I have no idea what to say when they want to spend like all day with you. And you're like, I, I have to keep doing life. Sorry. Well, it's not even the, it, it's, it's the, it's like the, we just spent so much quality time together. And yet mm-hmm. within five minutes, it seems as though your brain has erased all of it. The experience we just had. Mm-hmm. I had, a, we have a friend who would say to her kids in this, in this context, she would say something like that doesn't make me want to play with you more when after just playing with you, I, you say that you're basically complaining we're not spending enough time together. And I've been trying that with Lola, um, but I feel like it comes out manipulative. Mm-hmm. Like it almost comes out like, like I'm trying to tell her more or less, hey, this is how your actions are making me feel. And mm-hmm your behavior has consequences and affects other people. And so, you know, when after we play together for a long time and you say, you start complaining about not spending enough time with me, that does not make me want to spend more time with you. But what I'm thinking in the back of my mind is, but I still want to spend time with you. So I don't want right. to tell you that I don't, right. I don't want you to feel like if you mess up, I don't spend time with you anymore. Right. You don't want it to be a transaction like right. if you do a then i do b together with you but i also want her to know it is pretty demoralizing when i just spent that much time with you which i enjoyed or maybe i didn't enjoy as much as i could have because i had a bunch of other things i needed to be doing mm-hmm. so i'm just i'm just not sure what that like balance is between saying you're 
behavior and attitude has negative consequences on me. I still want to play with you, but this does not motivate me to play with you again. I haven't figured that one out. I don't know how to do that one. I don't either. I do like to um, verbalize the times where where I can say yes, though. Like, Ellery just had an instance the other night. She was playing, hanging out at a friend's house, and it was Friday evening, and I took Adeline... Um, then I went to Adeline's soccer game and Delaney was there too. So everybody and Carl, everybody was at the soccer game except for Ellery was playing with this friend. And her mom called, the friend's mom was like, can Ellery stay? Because we actually don't have anything in the morning until 11 or something like that. And almost never is it the opportunity for you to be like, hey, we don't either. That would be so great. Mm -hmm. But I could say yes in that moment. And so I think just reminding sometimes like, I can't always say yes to you. Because I, like, when you adult, it it kind of sometimes sucks yeah. because you have to do things. Like, every day you have to, like, make food and wash your clothes. And yeah. that's not fun. So if you can find something to play with on your own, I might have more time to play with you later. And that would be so fun because I like playing time together yeah. with you. Or, like, the yes part, like, emphasize the yes part maybe. I'm not sure. Well, that reminds me of another phrase that we picked up a while ago. Catch him, catch him being good was the phrase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The premise being that you, instead of always commenting on the things that they're not doing well, mm-hmm. especially if you have a perfectionist, which I do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, finding the times they were did a great job and just mm-hmm. affirming those things, that's sort Mentioning of in line that. with saying yes. That you, Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Have you guys tried that with the kiddos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is... Um, we do a lot of things along the lines of like, I really loved watching you play with your friends or it made me really happy to see you run around and be strong in your body or look at how you shared, like you passed the ball when you could have taken the shot for one of our kids who is really motivated by athletic performance Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So kind of along the lines of like, you could have chosen to do something kind of selfish or more directed at you, but you didn't. And that was awesome. And it's not bad to sometimes choose the other. Right. The former, but it's great when you are a little mindful about who's around you. You know, even and yeah, that's been helpful. Even hearing you talk about that reminds me of when, when, when I first encountered these types of parenting tools. How stilted and strange the language sounds when you first encounter it. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you hear someone say something like what you just said, I noticed how strong you were in your body. You're like, what, what, what? <laughs> when do you ever say that during the day to another adult? Um, mm-hmm. No, I guess not to another adult. You no, you, very often. and you and you wouldn't have had that said to you then, probably ever, because this is mm-hmm. a newer approach to parenting. But also mm-hmm. because if another grown up said to you, that to you in the workplace, you'd be like, "What the? You're a creep. <laughs> Don't look you're at my body. <laughs> this is super creepy." Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that language, I felt like, was one of the weirdest things to start to develop. It's developing not only a new sentence structure, but then also mm-hmm. dealing with the odd insecurity of doing that in front of someone else when you know that they're going to think what are you wrong with you right what is wrong with you which is my brings me to my next point of how did you manage the inevitable weird looks and the public displays because when you when you start this parenting approach the the outcomes are never guaranteed and it's a lot more socially acceptable to give your kid an ultimatum and be real firm and strict. But Mm -hmm. if you're in public and your kid's losing it and you say, I see you're really angry right now, 
um, would you like to go scream in the car or would you like to go scream in the bathroom or would, right. or can I, I don't know, can I put like a sock in your mouth? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's that style doesn't, right. it's not like, oh, great, great, great parenting. It's more like, yeah. what's wrong you're with so, you? You're spoiling you're your so kid. so weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you run right. into that too? I did somewhat, but I, ha- I don't care mm-hmm. at all. Like I just kind of have never cared about what other people think. So that bodes well for me. Yeah. Um, in this. And, and also I sort of like that. I don't, that I'm unique. I'm not even that unique anymore, but like the way that I sometimes speak to them once in a while might sound yeah. unique to some, like, I kind of like that. Like, Oh, she's the weird mom, but we kind of like the weird mom. And now we're going to ask the weird mom some questions. Right. And I, then I just say this has worked for me in the past. And it's helpful that, um, all of our good friends have seen all of our kids lose their minds. Even steady Eddie Ellery, our big one. She, like I said, is super logical and very, very, um, bloop, yeah. like little blips on the radar, but she, um, had a giant meltdown actually with Carl. They were going um, to like a dad and kid event and she didn't like the seating placement in the car. And it had to do with like who was in booster seats and who wasn't, they were younger and she hit him like across the head, across the (laughs) temple. And he also um, sometimes all the time has big, strong emotions. So he, he actually got tons of people like, Asking him or complimenting him. I don't know if that's the right word. After like, you didn't, you didn't scream back at her ever. And she whacked you in public. Like, you just picked her up and gave her a hug and you said something to her. And then like, now she's here and acting regular. How did that work? You know, like they, and it happened to be a lot of dads who were there and I'm not judging parenting based on gender at all, but it was definitely not something any of these dads had ever tried before and they were like who are you exactly Mm -hmm. so that was he felt really good about that i mean he felt poorly that that it happened yeah and she definitely felt completely mortified that everybody that she was good friends with saw that happen but oh right she actually then felt very calm that there was no ultimatum screaming yelling and she she could she had the opportunity to pull it back together and he didn't judge her for that which was, I think, the biggest thing. Like, I give my kids a lot of opportunities to pull it back together, but I sometimes throw it back in their face later. Right. So that's another thing I need to keep working on. Like, I hold grudges. And then I, like, you should have, you did it, but you didn't really right. mean it. Did yeah. you? Like, yeah. that's not, that's that's another area of improvement. One of and the, it's not just to my kids. It's just, like, to family members in general. Right. Just to, just to style. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think I was surprised by with our kids because in particular Lola has been always freakishly articulate and emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. and able to label emotions and Ivy as well that I think it was gave me a view into just kids in general that they're they usually know when they messed up and they're usually mm-hmm. usually feel pretty crappy about it yeah and it took me realizing that a lot of the backlash was just them trying to process their own shame and embarrassment that then they would freak out because I would come on strong when right. they're, when they're, they're already like, yeah, 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 I know I, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that's like totally different than how I was raised for sure. And I think, but most of us generationally were, were not raised to believe that kids' emotions were valid and that you might have an innate conscience that's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have screamed at my mom. Right. Or that they're not little adults, that they're, they're, they're still forming yeah. their emotions and the way the connections are made in their brain. Um, they're, not, they're not just shorter versions of us as big people. I think it's important to realize too, which wasn't always the way that it was thought. Right. It was the, I mean, in the most extreme example, it's the seen and not heard kind Mm -hmm. of, and when you mess up, the consequences are not for a five-year-old or for a 19-year-old. Right. Um, Well, going back to the very beginning, how do you parse out the difference now between when a kid's working the system because the system is a little bit easier to work in theory mm-hmm. versus when they are, you know, really having a hard time. Um, Does that question make sense? Our third, yes. Our third kid is the one who tries to, to game the system mm-hmm. and she's only five. So it's, I feel like not, she doesn't has, has, has not had as much practice in life, right. um, but she has her whole life. Um, heard this type of parenting so she maybe is at an advantage right. almost but um, for the most part they just I really feel like I, it's more of an optimistic view of human nature I guess that people are they're trying to do good and they're inherently good they're not necessarily trying to fuck you over mm. for the most part mm-hmm. um, and so if somebody's trying to act like a jerk and I just ask them like why, why would why would you do that like, why are you doing that? I don't understand. Like, typically, I then will ask, are you thirsty? Do you want some water? Are you hungry? Or is there something that happened earlier that you want to talk about? It? It's almost always that. Or you're having a bad day and you're about to get sick. And then tomorrow, I will know why you acted like a Right. Child. But I don't, I, I really don't, even though people lose their tempers a lot at our house, they're not trying to manipulate. They just feel it so strongly that they want what they want right, right now. That- but it's not because they're trying to get something more than someone else, I don't think, at our house. Well, I think that that's a really difficult thing to to parent the tension between there's a reason why you're acting this way, and yet you can't act this way. Right, right. How do you deal with that, especially with the kids that have big emotions that are reacting strongly? That is where I continue to yell. Got that it. is where I lose my mind, and that yeah. is what I'm not good at. Like, And it's usually simple things like, It's not acceptable for me to clean up all of your dishes every day because I'm not the one who ate all the food and smeared it underneath the counters. And so you will get the rag and you will wipe it because you're part of a team and our team is this family. Right. And if only one of the team members is doing all the work, that one team member is going to have a very short temper. Mm -hmm. And they, they get it sometimes and they don't sometimes, but that's where a lot of my yelling now comes from or like, why don't you see that you can't always do it your way first? Right. Like, and and they, that's part of the um, emotional intel- intelligence that I think they're still gaining in the development of their brain that that ha- hasn't happened yet. Like, it's not their fault. And I forget. And I forget who's the adult in the relationship. Yeah. And I want to still be the adult in the relationship, but yeah. I forget too. Well, I think that's really hard uh, because... And this is this is the scary thing about this style of parenting that you, I think, I think your kids go nuclear more often, like more. I don't know if they go more often, but you 
you do have to ride out the mm-hmm. the the peak of the storm in this approach yep. that you you can't shut it off which which is a, a beautiful thing because you're literally hurting their brain if you try and shut off a temper tantrum right. before they physically get it all out because as mm-hmm. you know they don't have the governor in their brain for that but right. at the same time um if they're hitting someone you have to remove them and you have right. to tell them there are consequences for hitting. Right. When we yeah. get angry, oh, we're allowed to get angry. We're not allowed, we're not allowed to hit. And and people, like right, you can't hit people. Right. And and or hurt people. Push like then you end up in this weird world with a 5-year-old where you're trying to articulate this is a nuanced situation. The thing mm-hmm. that pissed you off, that's totally fine, but right. you started hitting people and it's very very hard to get them to see those two as separate instances mm-hmm. where you can you know, articulate the first instance versus the second. Right. That's a yeah, we struggle. have a neighbor. We have a neighbor in our neighborhood who is the age of our oldest daughter. And she um, seems to have a hard time understanding that it's not okay. Like, And sometimes Delaney, our five-year-old, hits her or hits somebody in general. And, like, she whacks her back. I'm like, but... Like, I get you're a kid. I get you're a kid. But you're a much larger child who has known for a long time. Like, you don't you don't wail back at her. Like, you just don't. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. And no, she shouldn't do that in the first place. But she hit you because you called her eight names in a row. Or or this is actually, my kids are like a pack, which I, li- I love. But if somebody's mean to one of them, the other two will gang up on you. They will come for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you better run and hide. And I love that about them. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the flying monkeys can go ape shit on you and like start beating you, which is Delaney's tactic. And right. right. It's like, how do you tell a five year old, like, stand up for your siblings? That's important. Yep. But don't beat the person. Right. Who just called yep. them the name or, or that hit you or like another little kid might hit my big kid and she's just like, whatever, I'm out, but don't you do that again. And then Delaney will be like, ah, and come at her or him. Well, that part is hard. But you're right. Like, there's no, like, you can't hit or you can't throw toys at their head right. or something unsafe. Yes. So there are consequences for those actions called like you can watch them play. And when you feel better, you can join. Them right. Um, I think this is one of the things that comes to mind for me is uh, knowing uh, this is where like parenting becomes even more difficult because you're tailoring each one of these situations to your kid. Lola uh, had a boy in in first grade or kindergarten, I can't remember now, who kept trying to kiss her. And she eventually told me, it took her a while, but she told me and it made her really uncomfortable and she wasn't happy about it. And so I encouraged Lola to hit him. It was like, you tell him to stop and you yell it loud so everyone hears. And if he doesn't, you put your hands on his, like you push him, you physically Mm -hmm. push him. And her face- That's a a whole separate- consent issue which is right, like a whole because, right because i'm i'm teaching her basically no one can put their hands on your body and you're allowed yeah. to be physically right and yet watching but this was tailored right. to her because her face like it was this combination of sheer joy and surprise welling up on her face because she was like i don't think i'm supposed to hit anybody this is really <laughs> something Dad's it's weird me. when the lines get gray, right? It's not black and white. There's this right. weird in between. Well, and then and that's and then but Ivy, like her first form of 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 anything when she's not happy is like hit or scream or yell. And so with her, 
it's it's probably never going to be you're allowed to push a kid. It's probably right. going to be don't slam their head into a wall, Ivy. That's right. not allowed. <laughs> That's assault, Ivy. <laughs> don't do that. Um, but knowing the difference and then I think that's where, like, I don't know, trusting to your point that your kid is trying to do good in the world. Mm-hmm. And they are. I'm, I'm going to be okay if you come back and tell me you hit a kid because they were being a jerk to you. I'm probably a little more happy about that than you getting beaten up or getting taken advantage of or I don't know. And the, those are the tensions where you're like, good grief, this is, this is hard. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder than than I thought. It was so simple at first in my brain, and then they like had their own personalities, and it got much more complicated. Can we talk about one more thing real quick? Sure. What's with parents doing the loud talking thing? Have you ever noticed this? Where like the like the louder you get, the more the kids no to listen, like or... um, <laughs> excuse me. I've had friends and fr- friends who don't have kids who don't understand this. Where they're like, why do parents always talk so loudly to kids? in public why why can you hear the entire conversation i'm like well partially because they're you know four feet below you and usually Mm -hmm. six feet away from you so you have and they don't know the language well so you usually have to raise your voice a little bit but there is also this weird thing with parents where you you come across some parents and they're they're like looking around while they're talking to their kid Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. we can't have that fruit snack yet and they're looking at all the other parents like see what (laughs) i'm doing do you see yeah right what I'm really is that? Good at that? Are you? What that is? No, no. I mean, like that's what they think. Like I'm very right, good right, at right, doing right. this. Yeah, I don't. What is that? Do you do that? Can I judge I, you for I that? Know, I hope I don't do that. Right. I don't know. I'm a. I'm going to be more aware of <laughs> how loudly I speak now. No, it's not that. Um, it's like the intention but, of mm-hmm. where you get the sense that they're really not talking to their to kid. The kid. They're talking mm-hmm. to the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're on stage. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. I'm sorry. I have no good information on that. Well, Besides, maybe they just need validation. Like, they don't know if they're doing it right, right or they want someone to high-five them when they're done. Maybe we should sure. go up to them and, like, put put my arms on their sh- my shoulder, mm-hmm. put my hands on their shoulder and be like, you're doing so good with this fruit roll-up conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is really, really going really, well. It's very important that you stay the course. Okay, well, for anybody who's encountering this stuff for the first time or who's thinking about not screaming at their kids, what advice do you have? Uh, it, well, I, am, I fall off the bandwagon all the time. So I would say that you can always try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it will feel weird. Like it, people will tell you that you're being too easy on your kids or you're spoiling them or they're going to turn out to be entitled and they might, but not for the reason of not screaming at them. There are, there are not, that's not going to be because you didn't lay into them every time they didn't do what you asked. There are better ways because you don't want somebody, a loving person, a relationship that you're a part of another loving person to come at you all the time screaming when you didn't do the thing you were supposed to every single time that will make you not want to be part of that relationship anymore. So it, um, it's important just to keep trying when you mess up and it's okay to mess up. You have favorite resources we can put in the... You can email me these too, but books and blogs. Yes, I will email them to you, but Positive Parenting is one of them. Um, Laura Markham, Markman's um, website and blog is one of them. And just the book or the um, information that I was talking about earlier was just called The Danish Way. Okay. That's the people, not the food. 
because Danish is <laughs> correct. Thanks so much for talking about this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me to do this. Do you still feel like you didn't have anything to say? I have a lot to say. I just don't know if it's helpful. No, it was awesome. I always have a lot to say. No, it was great. I think it's going to be awesome. I think there's lots of people who are... I bet you there's lots of people who have never heard about these concepts at all. And I think that the fact that you got so specific and practical is so nice because most of these books stay stay so high level and they mm-hmm. never give you the example of even just knowing your kid threw a shoe at you is, is oh <laughs> good yeah that's regular yeah that happens. it's so yeah. helpful mm-hmm. that's that's there's lots of things that have happened in our house but those are examples of things that like went wrong and right in in the best way possible i guess so <laughs>